0: Hello ladies. Hello, hello, hello. So, Tanya, a preacher's yes. kid. What does that exactly mean? I know what I think it means, but <laughs> what does it mean being a preacher's kid?
1: Okay, well, like the first ladies were saying, um, you know, sometimes in ministry, congregations would like to put you into a box. I would have to say that They also, that extends to the pastor's kids, the PKs, Um, they place, it's kind of like you're placed in this like microscope and people judge you for everything that you do, um, which makes it actually very difficult um, for some pastor's kids to navigate in the ministry um, because individuals, expect them to be perfect. Um, But that's not fair. Um, I would just encourage, you know, congregants to treat pastor's kids as normal kids, expecting great things from them, but also allowing for mistakes and opportunities to learn from
0: failures. You hear about P.K. kids, and I kind of equate it to like Obama kids, right? They were so much under a microscope when they became young adults as young adults experiment in life. My sons, I don't want to see it on CNN. I don't want to see it in the newspaper, but that's what we saw. Is that how you felt as a P.K.? That everything you did was going to be front pe- front page news.
1: Again, it it, it is very difficult um, as a PK because um, you are in the spotlight. Um, I did not want to. It, it's just it's it's kind of like the call when you're in the call. It's it's not something I chose. It was what I was born into. That's right. Um, but a lot of people assume you know the same calling that is on maybe the the pastor which typically is you know the male of course there are a lot of women in ministry but they expect the same calling that is on the mother and father to be on the child and that's not necessarily the case not all pk's want to go into ministry or be involved in full time ministry um And I think that many people, you know, kind of don't give them the space and the grace to kind of navigate, you know, that opportunity to find themselves and, and to journey, um, and discover where God is leading them. And it may not be, like I said, in full-time ministry, like my, my brother and sister are very gifted in their realms. My sister, um, it graduated from law school. My my brother has a finance degree. So they are very, very, very smart and very, very gifted. I am the only one <laughs> who ended up in ministry. How I did that, I don't know. There is a God. Um, but um, I'm very You
0: ran away from it. Oh,
1: did I run away? I ran. I ran far, I ran far and I ran (laughs) as far as I could go until I kept hitting brick walls and surrendered.
0: Yes, Okay. okay. Gwen, my dear friend, Gwen, you know, some of what you were saying so resonated with me. I can recall being on the phone March 13th, 2020 in Austin, You know, calling and saying, Mom, okay, now at school they're saying this and they're saying, Okay, we're going to have to go home. We're going to have to be out of the dorms by noon. We're going to come back in two weeks, though. This is just for two weeks, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, "Okay, well, just get yourself a ticket, you know, that kind of thing. And he was like, Mom, I'm I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? Because at that point we didn't know. Right. You're you're going back in two weeks. What are you afraid of? He said, I'm not afraid for me. I'm afraid for for some of my friends because they had just gotten there that week from spring break. Their spring break had just ended. The Monday was their first week back when COVID hit. He said, I'm afraid because some of my friends can't go home. They have nowhere to go. And they certainly can't afford to go and come back in two weeks. No. That hit me hard. I'm like, at Hampton, what do you mean? He was like, they can't. That This is, and when the dorms close, they don't have anywhere to stay. Because a lot of them were on dorm scholarships. That was a part of their scholarship package. Did you see that, Gwen? Was that something you all knew innately was going to be a problem?
2: We, yes and no. So as you mentioned, many students are on dorm scholarships. But what happened last spring is many of the students, when they left, they were given a choice, depending on when your spring break fell. And what they said to students is, if you go on spring break, then don't come back. Because we are going to close school for a couple of weeks and, you know, kind of wait for this whole thing to blow over. Well, so some students didn't leave because they really didn't, typically don't leave for spring break, didn't have the resources or anywhere to go. For those students who did leave, they were very concerned about, well, if I go home, how am I going to get back? So we had students, I mean, and honestly, during that time, it was heartbreaking in the sense that students would call and say, I need $37 for a bus ticket. And my first thought in the midst of this pandemic, we don't know what's going on. The last place you need to be is on a bus. Like, so the, the mother in me said, You do not need to get on a bus with all of these people. And I know 17, 18 year olds, you don't have a mask, you don't have gloves. So, but at the same time, if that's your only way to get home, okay, let's make sure we can get you there. At the same time, you had students calling who were couch surfing, as they call it. And I know of situations where there were five students in an apartment that was made for two. Now, everything about COVID says this is a mistake. This is the worst case scenario because you've got five students who are teenagers or young adults and they're all living together, but they haven't been COVID tested. We don't know anything. So on the one hand, we struggled with what do we do with these students who are who can't or won't go home, especially like Austin, when school said, come back in two weeks. They're like, if I go home, I'm not coming back. I had students who said to me, if I go home, I won't be back. And not only will I not be back this semester, but I won't be back because I know that once I get home, the demands on from my family on me to get a job. Now, of course, we didn't know then that he wouldn't be able to get a job. But in his mind, he thought my family supports me being here, but they can't afford it. So if I go home, I'm going to have to borrow money and I'm going to have to find work. And I'm not coming back to school this year. And I I don't know if I'm coming back next year. Well, the reality of it is they weren't able to find work. And so many of them went home and who were able to get home, found themselves there caring for their parents, their family members, who by this time have contracted COVID-19 because we know in our community, those numbers were much higher than anywhere else because of the vulnerabilities of diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, all of those things which we already know are very prevalent in our community, but COVID-19 impacted that so much more greatly. So when we thought about what do we do The issue and really the answer is whatever we can afford to do. We couldn't tell students to stay in a place where they had no housing. We could not tell them not to go home to a place that may not support their studies. It was an individual choice on every student's behalf. But what we knew more than anything else, these students needed those resources. They needed $50, $100 something. Students I knew who moved in with four or five or six people living in an apartment, they all of a sudden needed food. And so while they were all there together sharing in the apartment, they were also trying to make sure that they could have broadband. Well, in this virtual world, I'm sure you've experienced when you have more than four or five people on technology in a small space, the, there's no technology. And there's no library to go to. There is no Starbucks to go to. They, they can't do those things. And more importantly than all of that, they also didn't have a computer. Many of our schools loan students' desktop computers. They literally got in their cars with, the you know, the old, the basic desktop computer, because that was what was on campus. There were some laptops, but they ran out very quickly. So all of the things that happened in COVID-19 to all of us, we all experienced a variety of difficulties, including technical difficulties. They were exasperated as a result of the students not having the resources and honestly not having the economic support. Our families support our students, but many of these students received free or reduced lunch when they were in high school. They all, they know, they they didn't, I didn't have to ask, I didn't have to tell them. They already knew when they went home, they were creating an additional mouth to feed without any resources associated with it. So it really became a very traumatic situation for many students. And on top of all of this, within a month or two, they started to get notices saying, your summer job, your summer internship has been repealed. We can't do it because we are laying off our full-time employees. So we certainly can't have you as a part-time student coming back to work for us in an internship. So from an emotional, from a physical, but also from an emotional standpoint, it was a very traumatic time our students we did a poll at the end of the summer and they wanted to come back to school school for many of them represents a safe place a safe haven to do what it is they're trying to do but many of them could not because schools didn't open or at least not completely so it is and it has been obviously a learning experience for us We knew students were hungry, we knew students had had struggles on campus, but COVID-19 just exasperated the entire issue. And we still are working with our students because many of them still have not come back to campus because for whatever reason, financial support they could not so they're at home trying to do it many of the students who did come back to campus had you know school is on one day and off another because there's a covid uh scare as as the kids call it so it has been a an interesting year for us but it really has been a challenging year for our students and and so we appreciate all support but honestly supporting emergency student assistance fund is something that I think many people don't know about which is why I wanted to right. come on and talk to you about yes. because yes. that's a way all of us could impact
0: Gwen we thank you for coming this morning um to enlighten so all of us because yes, when you told me about it I didn't know and I I've been familiar through my various organizations and um Employment as a you know HR uh, professional for many years with UNCF and scholarships, but not the emergency assistance. So, thank you. And I am proud, and I speak for Tanya and Dr. Anita for the sister covenant to partner with UNCF on this journey because we now, as you said, COVID has unveiled a lot of layers, and this is unfortunately one that is probably not gonna go away with the vaccination. It's just now a part of what we know. And when you know better, you do better. So we are excited to partner with uh, UNC and we're we're uh, a proud of the possibilities of where this partnership will go. So ladies, it is now 10-12 and we know we are way past our normal time, but this has been a great conversation. Thank you. Time thank, you great. Your- thank you, Gwen. Thank you, thank you. You're going to come back next month though. So, put Thank us you for the-,
1: the work that you're doing, Gwen. Thank yeah. you so much for your work.
0: Yeah, we we talked to the youngins on the la- on the fifth Sunday of May. So uh, we know that you-, you have us on your calendar for that Sunday. And Tanya Grace, you are always just beautiful. You were beautiful this morning. Thank you for sharing with us. And um, that, that that really was something that I'm sure just uh, was special to some, some people out there, not just women, but people out there that yeah. get to hear that conversation with those first ladies, but also with a woman such as yourself of integrity and character. So thank you for what you do. In the, in the hospitals and in the community day-to-day. Thank you. Thank you for your voice. Gwen, thank you for what you do with these young people. Thank you for your voice. Ladies, have a blessed rest of your Sunday.
1: Bye. Bye-bye.